Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Let's rise to our feet on Thursdays. We begin daytime prayer service. As you do, give Jesus a great big hand clap all over the sanctuary. Praise the Lord. Excited to be with you today. I see the excitement's not mutual. Hard to be excited when you're starving. I understand. Lift both hands all over the place. Father, thank you for every man and woman who's here. I thank you, O Lord, for their lives. I thank you for your hand that's upon their lives. We give you glory and honor and praise for all that you've done already, not even through four days. We've seen your hand do great and mighty things. And we return honor and glory unto you. For it's to you and you alone who it's due. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege to serve you and the privilege to minister to you in fasting and prayer. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, all God's people said amen. Amen. Give the Lord another great hand clap. You can be seated. I want you, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Acts chapter 19. Acts, the 19th chapter. Verse 1, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What baptism did you experience, he asked. They replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Eight. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. They were posting on Facebook and stuff. We don't like Paul's meetings. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual or special miracles, that when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on the sick, they were healed of their diseases, and any evil spirits came out. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, leading priests, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them and overpowered them, 
and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Now listen to this. Many who became believers, say those words with me, say who became believers. You know, basically everywhere Paul's going when you read his, his journeys and his ministry, there's no believers there. I heard uh, this comedian that I like, and I'm praying for him if he's not already to get saved. He's very funny, and I like him, and I've noticed him get closer to getting saved. He said, uh, Henry Ford is like the Apostle Paul. Henry Ford with the automobile is like the Apostle Paul was with Christians. He didn't invent it, but before him there was like seven. So that's what the Apostle Paul did. There's just a handful of Christians, and uh, then he goes around and just lights the world on fire. I mean, where can you go where there's not a St. Paul? Minnesota, Sao Paulo, Brazil, any place the gospel went, they have a city named after him, and he only had about half a, half a lifespan full of ministry. And so where he's going, he found several believers, 12 men in all, 12 is in the, all there is in the whole city. And he goes and preaches the word, gets them filled with the Holy Ghost, and then it goes from there being 12 to now, those who became believers, which are many, after this release of power, many became believers and confessed their sinful practices. So I want to talk today about one of the things we're focusing in fasting and prayer, that if you leave this out, it will rob you personally, and it will, it will disinterest God in being a part of what we're doing. Because the heartbeat of God is the salvation of the lost. The heartbeat of God is the salvation of the lost. You couldn't be more for prosperity than I am. You couldn't be more, for, you could be as much, but not more. You couldn't be more for healing than I am and all the other things that are afforded us in the Bible. But if you leave the salvation part out, and this just turns into a club of people that are already believers and no one's becoming believers, then God loses interest in that church because that church then ceases to be doing the mission of the church. If you opened a Chick-fil-A and you got permission to open a Chick-fil-A, went to headquarters, did everything you had to do, and then just decided to stop selling chicken to people and you just met there with the employees and just kind of hung out and it became like an Italian social club. There were old men playing cards, watching uh, Serie A soccer in the back. When they find out about it at headquarters, they're going to strip your license. You're not allowed to have a Chick-fil-A and turn it into a social club for people to meet and talk with a Chick-fil-A name. <coughs> Sorry, inhaled spit. It's not a variant. <coughs> it's regular spit. Sorry about that gross thing that just happened. <coughs> You're not allowed to carry the Chick-fil-A name and turn it into what you want. You have to carry on the mission of that institution. And you are not allowed to have a church and turn it into what you want a church to be. Your job as a leader, like I am at this place, is to go into the scriptures and find out what a church is to be. Among the many things a church is to do, evangelism is a pillar and a foundation that if you remove that from a church, the church eventually will be removed. Like when Jesus said in Revelation, I'll remove your candlestick from among the churches. You know, our church used to have a lot of money and then 
And a lot of people now, it doesn't really have that many people, and we've been struggling financially. I would check the amount of people being saved. Because, like Chick-fil-A is to move chicken sandwiches, church is supposed to have people being saved, book of Acts. And daily, there were being added to the church such as should be saved. Daily, there were being added to the church such as should be saved. How do you start off with 120 in an upper room and then go to 3,120, one chapter later, and then go to 5,000, and then it say, these men have filled the whole of Jerusalem with their doctrine. They're not just meeting. It wasn't like, hey, listen, all of us that were with Jesus and helped feed the 5,000 and stuff, let's meet together, hope he's going to come back. No, the church was busy. The church in Jerusalem was busy getting the word out to the people. Then persecution strikes. And Philip, the evangelist, goes to Samaria and preaches Christ to them. For this gospel must be preached to all nations as a witness, and then the end shall come. Then the apostle Paul's raised up, where he fulfills the part from Jerusalem to Samaria to Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Paul starts taking it to the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, just looking around the room. How the heck did Kofi get saved being from northern Ghana? I see uh, Pastor Augustine back there from Tanzania, right? Got the right nation? Say it again. Tanzania. How did him and his father come? Was somebody saved before your father too? Or was the father the first one? How did your dad get saved? Come here. Tell, tell people that so I don't have to repeat it. Uh, well, my dad was sick for about eight years, and they tried finding a cure, tried um, going to the hospital, witch doctor, nothing worked. And he read the Bible, Proverbs chapter 4, and, the, and from that he started confessing and he believed, and he got healed. He went um, the next day to church, and they didn't preach the message of salvation to him, and he met an evangelist walking out from church, preached to him, God saved, and that's how he wow. went to ministry. And then straight away, he, um, he met Maurice Arula, who would come and do, like, uh, crusades and teachings. Maurice Arula, uh, he got trained to ministry through Maurice Arulo, and from there, just opened a ministry and started working. And then what, what did his ministry do over there? Um, it wasn't a small ministry. <laughs> it wasn't a small ministry. He built a, built a first church in Mwanza, Tanzania, and then from there, he started building churches around, around the Lake Zone area. And then that's how the ministry grew, built a radio station, built a television station, built schools, and started, then just, it just started exploding. And then because of the radio station, that's how... Um, exploding how much? Um, the main church had 4,000 people, um, and then we had 20 branches around the Lake Zone area. Um, when he started doing the radio station program, it, was so, it became so impactful. It was, it was the first radio station program in Mwanza. It became so impactful that... Um, the president feared um, the influence because the, the Lake Zone area is the most populated area. So if you win the Lake Zone area, you basically win the entire nation. So he started preaching against um, the president's agenda to introduce Sharia law into the country, and it became like a threat, so they tried to take him out, and he fled to America. And that's how you're here. That's how I'm here. Now, all of that was in some sick kid at a church. 
So if you were there that day, you just saw a sick kid get saved on his way out of church. But all of that was in that kid that once he got redeemed, blew up the whole northern part of the country and, and kept Sharia law out of there. That, that can never stop being a part of the church. There was a time in church where all the focus was on, you know, we, all the songs were about winning the lost. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. That, that's the songs. The song was about being happy, bringing in lost people to Christ. Then it went from salvation to instructing the charismatic movement. People wanted more. Yes, I'm saved now, but I have a, there's something on the inside of me that tells me Christianity is not just about me waiting to go to heaven. I, isn't there more? And that was where that hunger came to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and people taught on that. Then during that time, there was a moving away from the winning of souls. And now there's been a moving away of both. There's not much instruction on, thank you, great testimony. Give my friend a hand clap, Pastor, Pastor Augustine. And if your father's watching, we salute you too. Glad you're, glad you're in Texas. Instead of dead in Tanzania. Amen. Think of that, the impact that the president, he, 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 he's, he, they're here on asylum because the president, we, if, if we're going to do what we want to do in this nation that's wicked, we can't do it without killing him. That's the power of the church. Can you say amen? amen. Looking forward to my turn. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So this church, I've told you the thing the Lord spoke to me. Say, say this scripture with me out of Ecclesiastes. Say a threefold cord is not easily broken. I felt the Lord speak to me. Take the passion for souls from the, from the Southern Baptist Church. Combine it with the hunger, respect, and passion for the things of the Holy Ghost from the Pentecostal Church. And the revelation of the word from the Word of Faith Church. Those branches are specialists on all those things. Baptists are soul winners. A, a Baptist church just starts abducting kids on school buses on Sunday morning and bringing them to church. Any Baptist church has a huge bus ministry. They go into the inner city, they go places, and they round children up and bring them to church, and they start a Sunday school program, and they do it to get them saved. Vacation Bible School came from Baptist churches. They're soul-winning people. Pentecostals are Holy Ghost people, tongues. Because notice, they're not getting saved by programs. That, that girl that I've been playing that gives that testimony that thought she was a boy, it takes a power to break that off of somebody. So Paul is releasing this power, and I want you to see that they're not disconnected. Signs and wonders bring people to Christ. John 2.23, and many believed on Christ seeing the miracles that he did. It breaks people out. People, they look like normal people, but if you can see in the spirit, there's chains of sin wrapped around them. The Bible says, Paul said, there's a veil over their mind so that they won't receive the glorious gospel. And there's nobody like that here, that I can see here today. But if you, if you do a meeting, a normal meeting at a church, if you could stand where I'm standing, there's people sitting on the edge of their seat receiving, and there's people... Whatever the enemy's doing, they're like, I don't like he wants my money, whatever. And they can't receive it. And it takes a power to lift that veil. The Pentecostals tapped into that power. But the Pentecostals weren't big on the, word, on the, 
that you could call God's word true. Yes, there's healing in the Bible, but we have to remember God's sovereign. Amen. They didn't believe that you could take this thing, and if God said it, all God's promises are yes and amen. I can have what God said is mine. And so God raised up a, a Texan named Kenneth Hagin and said, go and teach my people faith. And that's what he, I'm going to tell you, if you go on YouTube and listen to Kenneth Hagin's, and I used to not bring his name up because a lot of people don't like Kenneth Hagin, but if you don't like Kenneth Hagin, I don't like you. So might as well just get it out of the way. Um, I'm not one of those people that won't bring somebody up if, if somebody doesn't like him and won't, won't say Rodney Howard Brown. No, I, my friends are my friends. Amen? So um, if you listen to those old messages by Kenneth Hagin, they're pretty, pretty, like knowing what I'm telling you now, if you go back and listen like in the 1960s where he's preaching at Assemblies of God churches and they're Pentecostal, the Assemblies of God was like super Pentecostal back then. Pentecostals measured your anointing by the noise you made. So when he would just crack open his Bible and a notebook and start teaching, you can feel the not liking of him. What's this guy's problem? You know, because he's just very calmly teaching the Bible, and they want somebody doing what I do, jumping up on tables and jumping on them. That's what they let people would shout. You didn't even have to have any content to get Pentecostals working. A, B, C, D, F, G, H, I. And people would all start clapping and... My dad told me there was an old, old Pentecostal preacher that he heard. His message literally was, tonight I'm preaching on hell, or the devil. Tonight I'm preaching on the devil. If you take the D off, he's evil. If you take the E off, he's vile. If you take the V off, he's ill. He'll make you ill. And if you take the I off, there's L. He'll send you to L. Everybody's clapping. That's what Pentecostals, not real big on like depth. Big on volume. <laughs> so there's a five-point message for the Bible college students if you're ever on short notice. Evil, vile, ill, ill. So God raises up Brother Hagin and starts, starts teaching him. No, you, my word is true. You can call my word true. For some reason, people feel like they've got to pick one of the three. We're a soul-winning church. We're a Holy Ghost church. We're a word church. Here's a thought. Why not take the three and combine them to a threefold cord that's not easily broken? When it comes to soul winning, this is a Southern Baptist church. When it comes to the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire, this is a 1920s Pentecostal church. Other than we let the women wear makeup and earrings because otherwise my wife would probably leave me. And then when it comes to the word, we're word of faith people. So we take all three. Well, church is about discipleship. Well, in order to have fish to clean, you have to catch fish. So just the word discipleship mandates there being an intake of souls. You know, again, to bring that girl up that gave that moving testimony that most of you have heard already. What if our youth group wasn't focused on that? What if we weren't passing out literature? And also... Uh, when I was away, I can't remember where I was, Texas, I think, I think when I was preaching in Dallas, I can't remember, uh, the, my wife was here and the police came because somebody from the neighborhood, so I guess somebody has started a Facebook group saying that our church is a cult. That's what they call any aggressive church, a cult. We're not a cult. Cults don't let you leave. 
if you want to leave here, we send you like we give you like a gift basket on the way out, and thank you for coming. And uh, also, you can tell if you're in a cult because usually the preacher has sunglasses on. So I'm just helping you out, and then you don't see me wearing any. So they said we're a cult, and they said these people are go- the, called the police because people from that church are going around passing literature out to people. So what does that show you? The devil hates an aggressive, soul-winning church. Did somebody get so mad they call the police? Did you call the police on Dr. Oz's campaign? They were giving literature out every week. It was waiting at my door. Did you call the police on Fetterman's campaign? Did you call the police on Shapiro and Mastriano? Is it illegal to pass literature out in the United States? No, it's not a, there's no law that's broken. So when you see what actually irritates the devil, it should give you a desire to do it more, not less. Can you say amen? A church must be a soul-winning church or it ceases to be a church. Our church did not grow from splitting other churches. Our, churches, our church grew after we did that stadium crusade. We had 544 first-time visitors the next week. Now some wash out. Some do. Judas washed out from Jesus. Adam and Eve washed out from God the Father. So it doesn't, hurt, it doesn't make me feel bad. People wash out. The sower sows the, 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 the seed. Some bounces off the rock. Some it goes down a little bit, and then as soon as some kind of persecution comes, they're out, and only one of the classifications receives and produces a reward 30, 60, or 100 times. That's who I talk to at these prayer meetings. You're 30, 60, 100-fold people that have not only received the word and are desiring to go to heaven, you're going to take what God's given you and not be content to keep the light under the bushel, but to get it out to other people so they can be saved. My wife, I, I had Brother uh, um, Augustine tell his story about his dad. My wife, somebody got her the gospel, brought her to church. Her youth pastor, Max Marcoux, that was in my wedding, felt when her and Magalas were at youth group, those kids are getting ready to leave the youth group. They came once, didn't want to stay. If you let them leave, they're going to go to hell. You got to find a way to keep them here so they, they can serve the Lord. And he did. And discipled them. And then in comes my nephew. Well, because I, I go to marry her and I meet him and start taking him and Pito around that's here. Then the sisters. That's a whole family on their way to hell that's now serving in the church because Christianity is not keep it to yourself. Why can't you people keep your religion to yourself? It's against our religion to keep our religion to ourselves. Now look how much power Christianity has. That that guy dies on the field at the football game and somebody prays on air and the whole, every station ticked off about it. For What's your problem? They, one guy prays and it stirs every devil up and it wasn't even a strong prayer. The devil hates prayer. He hates so He wants everything kept under the bushel. But God wants this light that we have, the bushel to be lifted up, and the light to be put on the hill where it can be given light to everybody. Can you say amen? Do the work. Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Timothy was what ministry gift? Pastor, do the work of an evangelist. Well, I know Jonathan... He's talking about soul winning. I'm, I'm a prophet. There's no ministry gift exempt from winning souls. There's no believer exempt from winning souls. Go ye into all the world and preach the good news that I'm alive, that I died for them, that I broke the curse. Tell them. That is, everybody say great commission. 
Commission means command. So it's not a command, it's the top one. It'll actually keep you from backsliding. It's hard to fall away from something that you're pushing. If you go like this, you're not going to fall away from that thing. So when you're out pushing the gospel, you don't backslide. When you get lazy, spiritually lazy and indifferent, and that soul winning element, if you lose it, you lose your love for people, then you just become an angry Facebook poster. Start calling lost people libtards and liberals and you know, and you start seeing people that you're supposed to reach as the enemy. They don't need converted into a political ideology. They believe in abortion not because they don't understand abortion and, and understand life. <laughs> Why do you think politicians, the, the, the pastor that's pro-abortion in Atlanta has gotten three women in his, in his church pregnant. No wonder he believes in abortion. He needs it to save his hide. People believe in wicked things because they're wicked. They need to be saved. They don't need to understand a different viewpoint. They need their wicked heart taken out by God and a new heart put in that's put by the Holy Spirit. And God's not going to do it. God is looking for people who will go on his behalf and then signs and wonders as they went. Signs and wonders followed them as they went. This church will be an addicted, soul-winning church. And today's fasting and prayer is to pray because you can't do it. I've likened it like this. If you leave spaghetti sauce on a plate overnight and then try to scrub it off, it's very difficult. If you soak it in water with dish detergent and let it sit there, then when you run the water, it'll just run right, right off. How many of you were here Christmas Day? So to finish the analogy... When you pray and fast ahead of time for specific people, not cities. Jesus didn't die to save real estate. He died to save people in that city. Lord, save Pittsburgh. I'll tell you a better prayer that will get better results. Pick seven people in Pittsburgh with the intent of getting them and bringing them. My friend uh, Jared, or not Jared, you know, he's a soul winner. He's with people. I always see him. He's got different people with him all the time bringing them to church. I see uh, uh, Chuck Ondo is a soul winner. You see him with people. I'm a soul winner. Because Chuck brings people, I brought Chuck. And there's other people in this church, I brought them. Not from Daystar, I brought them. Out there. Tell people about Jesus. I'm not a professional storyteller, I'm a soul winner. Can you say amen? My father's a soul winner. When we went out to eat as a kid, it wasn't a dining experience. It was like a contest to get the waitress saved. My mother, anybody remember down in Cannonsburg, uh, when you get off the exit, there's a Walgreens that, there. Remember it used to be a Haas's? Nope. <laughs> At that restaurant, my mom got our waitress. We'd always get the same waitress, and my mom got her saved and coming to church. And that, that lady would open up to my mother. My mother would go to Giant Eagle. There'd be cashiers that would request her. So she'd pray, my mom's a soul winner because somebody won her to the Lord. Nobody, I'm not picking on my wife's family, nobody in my mom's family. Right? Where's is Aunt Lynn here? Oh yeah, she's behind there. Nobody was going to heaven, right? In the 70s. <laughs> They're all going to hell. There's my mom's old, oldest sister there now with a, with a Christian husband and a Christian son and a Christian daughter with the daughter's kids in this church. And I found out her son that lives in California, his son is coming to Bible school after this summer, as a young man, with a whole family of New Jersey 
hell-bound people. And one youth group came and got them literature and got my mom saved and it went through the whole family like wildfire. People in the ministry on both sides of the family, there might be as many people in the ministry on that side of the family as the Shuttlesworth side of the family. In, in one generation, because somebody told them about Jesus. That lady that came forward, remember I gave the altar call on Sunday morning, that lady came forward and got saved, and then I gave her the word and said, you had trouble making it to the end of this year, but the Lord's going to give you the best year you've ever had. Is, you know, that was her first time in church on Christmas. I never heard of that. Who's never gone to church their whole life and then wakes up Christmas morning, hey, it's that opening gifts. Why don't we come to a church that has no sign on the front? And she comes. You know how she came? Because that lady that owns an ice cream shop in town that comes to this church has been telling all the people at her business that come to get ice cream that they need, they need to come to this church. And she agrees and she brings her. And she said, when you gave me that word, I almost killed myself this year. It's been such a bad year. And she said, I feel so. Then she was there uh, New Year's Day with someone else. So it starts spreading like wildfire. To win souls is the pinnacle task of a believer. It's the sign you're anointed. Is that you can, who was here last night? Remember I said when you go home, watch Billy Graham on Woody Allen? Actually, is that a 10 minute clip? And then we'll pray. I want you to see a soul winner in action. This is the Woody Allen show. Now watch Woody Allen, God mocker, try to turn the interview into a joke and make fun of Billy Graham. This is in 1969. So if you think like the world's wicked now, watch the, and watch Billy Graham keep it on track and go after Woody Allen until he agrees to come to his revival at the end. Now I'm saying play it right now. I didn't even told the, the, the media team. If you, if you guys find that and, and can play it, let me know. Just kept his authority, kept his authority in the studio. Don't you think these commandments are a little difficult to obey, Billy? No? And just answer them straight. I watched that when I came home after I told you, that 10-minute clip of Billy Graham. Every time he was on Larry King, he wasn't pimping a book. Come on, Larry. I've been coming on here for 10 years. When are you going to give your life to Jesus Christ? Go ahead. Play it. I want you to watch this. And I want you, you'll get an impartation of a soul winner in you watching this. Because watch. He doesn't. Most people couldn't even stand down Joy Behar on The View. No, I know. No, he kept his authority. He was looking to bring everybody in that studio to Christ. Not because he's an evangelist, because he's a Christian. Go ahead, roll it. My next guest is a, um, is a very charming and uh, provocative gentleman. Pause it real quick. Uh, it even amazed me, back in 1969... Listen to the apology that Woody Allen gives before he brings Billy Graham on. You'd think he was bringing on Benito Mussolini. There's many things that I don't see eye to eye with him on and just want to get everybody ready for this. Super controversial North Carolina preacher that preaches the basic John 3.16 Bible. The world, the spirit of the world is threatened by the spirit of God because the spirit of God has dominion over the spirit of this world. Go ahead, roll. Uh, did I mess it up? The pause button. Curse the whole video. Let me know when it's ready again, and then I won't pause it. So here's what I want you to do. Where, where's the uh, Operation Andrew cards? Who has them? Oh, they're in your seat backs. Grab them. We're breaking them out today, the first week of this new year, and we're breaking them out all year long. 
We would make this a part of prayer every week, and then you notice we stopped somewhere around October for whatever reason, and the church plateaued in October. So we're not stopping winning souls and intake of souls. And if people are calling the police for passing out gospel literature, they better, they better do a hiring program on the local police just to enforce it. Because we're going to pass out the most gospel literature we've ever passed out this year. Can you say amen? Aggressive Christianity. It's ready. Go ahead, roll it. My next guest is a, um, is a very charming and uh, provocative gentleman. Um, he, uh, whether you agree with his point of view or not on things, uh, he's always extremely interesting to, um, to talk to. I, I don't agree with him on a great many subjects. There are a few that we do agree on. Um, but uh, he certainly is the best in the world at what he does. And uh, Mr. Billy Graham. very nice to be with you, Woody, and I'd like to say that there's some things I don't agree with you on. <laughs> I know, but it's a question of which one of us will be converted by the time... <laughs> I, I hope I can convert you to um, agnosticism by the time the show is over. Well, I've had a lot of people try, and uh, the more they try, the firmer I get uh, in my conviction. Can I ask you what your favorite commandment is? Well, uh, uh, right now, with a lot of teenagers, it's to honor thy father and thy mother. Really? That's, that's, my, that's my least favorite commandment. <laughs> well, I have five children and three grandchildren, and um, I believe all of them uh, follow that commandment. I think they honor their father and their mother. Now, that doesn't mean that they always agree with their father and their mother, mm -hmm. but to honor them, to love them, to respect them. I certainly did my parents, and if I didn't, I got it. Did you? I really got it. It's funny. I'm, I'm saving up my money as I get uh, a little uh, successful in show business, and I'm, when I get a little bit older, I'm going to put my parents in a home. <laughs> That's very good. I hope it'll be in a home with you. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Are there any questions? <laughs> Mr. Graham, I read that you don't believe in premarital sex relations. Is this true? Uh, it's not a matter of what I believe, it's uh, what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches that premarital sex relations are wrong. Yeah, that's funny. To, to me, that would be like, uh, you know, like driving a car, you know, getting a driver's license without a learner's permit first. Well, uh, well let, let's, uh, let's just, uh, let's just uh, see. Now, you know, we have to have rules to live by. And uh, what we're saying is we're going to play a baseball game without any rules. We're going to play a football game without any rules. We're going to live a life without any moral rules. Well, God has laid down certain rules and said, if you want the best of life and you want complete happiness and fulfillment, live by these rules. And one of those rules is that thou shalt not commit immorality. Ah, but well, wait a minute. But if you're, say you're dating a girl, right? Well, I, uh, I don't intend to date anyone. No, no, but I mean... <laughs> Let's say, you. okay, say I'm dating a girl, and say I'm going to marry her, right? She's, she's begged me to marry her, this was after a while, or <laughs> what's even more interesting, I'm forced to marry her, is what happens. And now, don't I want to get some... Isn't it interesting now that we know how the story ends, all the years later, how when somebody's confronted with the gospel, the thing that's their personal vice is the thing that comes out first. Why is that the first thing you wanted to talk about? Because you were bound by that. And if Billy, well, we all have to... No. He's confronted, and it's stirring him up. Keep going, in case I ru unless I ruined it. Inkling of the territory? 
Well, uh, but you see, all, most psychologists today and most psychiatrists, I think, would agree with the Bible that there are very serious problems involved. God didn't say, thou shalt not commit immorality before marriage in order to keep you from having a good time or having yes, fun. Yes, he did. He said, no, he, he said that to protect you, to protect you psychologically, to protect, uh, to protect your body, because today venereal disease is at an all-time high in spite of all of our problems, and illegitimacy is at an all-time high in spite of all of our medical science. And all of these things, God said, I want to make you happy, I want to help you, and I've given you some rules to live by, and this is the rule. Well, now, let me ask you a question. What if I marry the girl, then, and then if I finally do get to investigate her carnally, and it turns out she's an absolute yo-yo? Well, I don't think that'll happen to you. <laughs> I think that's a hypothetical question. Yeah, but it happens to guys all the time. <laughs> what was the worst sin you ever committed? <laughs> the worst sin that I ever committed? Uh, I had impure thoughts about Art Linkletter. I, do you remember the worst sin you ever committed? Uh, every sin is the same in God's sight. I mean, there is no such thing as a worse sin. Oh, really? I, if you wanted to find out which sin was the greatest, uh, I would choose, if I were forced to choose, mm -hmm. I would say idolatry, breaking the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Really, that one bothers you the most? No, that doesn't bother me. That bothers the scriptures. It bothers God. Because all the way God was teaching Israel, all through the Old Testament, that there was one God only one that we're to serve and we're to worship right and that doesn't seem to you as say an egomaniacal position on god's part on god's part. oh no god is perfect yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny when i look in the mirror in the morning it's hard for me to believe that listen to this listen to the love from billy Graham. now you know in god's sight you are beautiful and in, and everyone <laughs> Because, uh, because God loves all of us, and he has the hairs of our head numbered, he sees the sparrow fall, he's interested in every detail of your life, he made you like you are, he made you Woody Allen, and he expects you to live up uh, to a standard that he has made, and if you don't live up to it, then the Bible says you're falling short, and that's where you need God's help for redemption. Question? Would it use marijuana or drugs? Do I use drugs? Or marijuana? No, I'm, I, I, uh, I'm not... Um, I don't use, I don't smoke or drink or... That's an interesting, because we're probably the same about this. I don't know about you. I, 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 it's true, I, I, I advocate the, uh, the legalization of marijuana, but I don't approve of the use of it. Uh, but do, do you have any vices like that? Uh, yes, I, I drink coffee. And uh, I'm told that uh, now that there's going to be a great, a lot of publicity coming out that coffee's bad for you. I don't know, but uh, that's going to be hard for me to give up. You know, I may need your help. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe you can give me some ideas about how to give up coffee. Yes, if you will have faith in me, I will lead you. Listen to this. Listen to this. Graham, have you seen any of Woody Allen's plays or movies? And what do you think of them? No, I have not. Uh, I have only read reviews, and uh, I would like to, though. And after meeting Woody, I think if you'll give me a free pass or a ticket, I might. <laughs> and uh... if you come to one of my one of my uh, movies or something, I'll go 
to one of your revival meetings. Well, now that is a deal. Yeah. <laughs> to report back to this audience on that <laughs> because uh, uh, I'll let you know my schedule and you let me know yours and uh, we'll do that I'd love it you could probably convert me because I'm a pushover you know what I mean I, I have no convictions in any direction and if you if you make it appealing enough and you promise me some sort of wonderful afterlife with a white robe and wings I would go for it well I don't promise you a white robe and wings but I, I can promise you a very interesting thrilling life yeah, one wing maybe no <laughs> You know, there's a guy in England that's the number one pop idol right now by the name of Cliff Richards. And Cliff Richards said the other day, he said, when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, he said this was 10,000 times more of a turned on experience than any trip I ever took on LSD. So you've got something in store for you. See, you've experienced some of these other things, but you haven't experienced God yet. And that's the greatest of all experiences, and I'd hate for you to miss it. Oh, I'd hate to miss it if it's there. The question well, is, there. The question is, is it there? You're you coming to I mean? our meeting, you said. Yeah, I can come. I know the meeting will be there, but will God show up? Oh, I believe he will. <laughs> Woody, do you think that you could ever make a good minute? Listen to the love here. I think you'd I ever like make a minister? Sure. I think, yes, definitely. You think I have the traits of a minister? I think you do, because you see, some of the greatest ministers of history have been some of the greatest sinners of history. You have this terrific mind, you have this ability to communicate, God could use you. Really? That's like getting into the army or something? <laughs> no, it'd be a great experience. Yeah, would I have to wear one of those dark coats and oh, a white no, color? Oh, no, no, no. Like you don't like see this? mine, do you? No, you, you, no, that's right, but you dress very conservatively. Well, that was because uh, uh, I was on a previous show early, and this is the way I had to dress on that particular show, and I didn't have time to change before I came over here to the studio. Do you think that I could... I would like to have worn a very loud coat for, to... for this occasion. Yeah, something casual and <laughs> devil may care, if you'll excuse me. Well, this is rather... <laughs> this is uh, uh... You can bring it back to me. Now, you mean, guys, you can bring it back to me. Now, that, that you understand, you see the... That is the two elements of a soul winner. Number one, he was very strong on the Bible. But number two, he did not treat Woody Allen as an enemy. That lady joking around, do you think Woody Allen could ever be a, a, a minister? I'll answer that. Do you think you could ever be a minister, Woody? I'll answer that. I believe he'd be a great minister. You saw him break down. God would use you. You never treat the harvest as an enemy. If you're going to write off everybody that's a Democrat, there's 50% of the population you're, you're, you're not going to reach. You can't see anybody as an enemy. I had to get that revelation. If I pray Joe Biden out of the White House, we have Kamala Harris. So what's the point? You pray Andrew Cuomo out of New York, you get Kathy Hochul. So why not pray they get born again? There's a worse one waiting down in the pipeline. There's an endless amount of wicked people to take their place. America doesn't need all sinners struck dead. America needs sinners to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Who's going to carry that out? Revival Today Church. Those of you that are watching online, those of you that are here, we're fasting and praying that God would make us mighty soul winners. How'd you get saved, Doug Johnson, that almost killed yourself over in Afghanistan?
And there's another guy from his old church in Massachusetts that was doing drugs with his wife. They used to fight each other, like stab each other over the drugs. And he was overdosing. And he said, I saw Jesus on the cross covered in blood. And then Jesus covered in blood on the cross, looked down and went, I did this for you. And he said, immediately I woke up out of it, had no desire for drugs. I walked over to my wife and handed her our whole stash of drugs. I went, I'm done. And he's an usher at that church. And a great guy. Doug's, a great, Doug's on our board of directors. He's a great guy. Pastor Augustine's a great guy. His dad, if his dad didn't get saved, where is he? Where are you? Who got the gospel to your family? What if that guy didn't put a tent up in Farmington, West Virginia and hold a tent meeting in that little town and my grandfather never gets saved? I could have a mouthful of chew living in central West Virginia complaining about the coal mine uh, with my living girlfriend living that life, working hard all week to go get messed up on the weekend and repeat. But somebody was not content to keep the Bible to themselves. It's not, you're not looking to just shout it. This is not you taking a bullhorn to Pittsburgh University. You're living in sin. You're going, you, you should, you're, all of you are going to hell. The gospel's not all of you are going to hell. The gospel is good news. You heard Billy Graham. What do you, I just want to tell you, I know your life and you live very wicked and you're on your way. No. God loves you. God will use you if you'll give your life to him. The gospel is the love of Jesus Christ. If they don't get it in time, they will go to hell. But that time hasn't come. So we must come to people. God loves you. God's hand is available for you. He'll help you live for him. You saw it where Woody down from being a mocker to, to agreeing to come to a revival meeting. And Billy Graham carried that in America. Nobody could ignore him. He was on Johnny Carson left and right. Johnny just sitting back, smoking cigarettes, in awe, asking him more questions about the Bible. There was an attraction to that. That has to come back to America. That has to come back to America now, today, where God raises up people that will tell people about Jesus, the one who loves them, the one who gave his life for them. Rise on your feet, everybody. Now let's pray five minutes of intense prayer. And when you head home, I want that list filled out. What seven people will God put on you, specific people that live here, that you can take to church this Sunday? Everybody should have people with them in church on, on this Sunday. Let's pray. Lift your hands and let's just begin to pray. We're interceding. This is intercession in fasting and prayer for our nation, for our city, for the lost of Pittsburgh, the lost of McKee's Rocks. The lost of Cannonsburg, the lost of Moon Township and Coriopolis, the lost of Pennsylvania, the lost of West Virginia that are dying and going to hell and somebody must get them the gospel. Make us an anointed soul winning church. Make us an anointing. Father, you said in your word, you're not willing that any should perish. So you're giving more time for people to repent and be saved. We are presenting ourselves as vessels to carry that out. So empower us and use us as we go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. May there even be signs and wonders and angels that move around here that aid us in that. Let there be mass salvations this year by the thousands. 
and empower us to get those people then plugged plugged into church their families plugged into church that they won't stray that they won't go back into the world help us we can't do it ourselves we're asking you for help we need your help help us in Jesus name not three and four at the altar tons of people at the altar Let the dam break like it broke in Ephesus where people are delivered. People lose their appetite for alcohol and drugs and perversion and immorality and anger. Use us to do that. Use us to be an answer to people's problems. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, Father, thank you for all you've done, but increase the anointing for there to be more. I'm asking you fill this church with people that were on their way to hell in 2022 that now know you and are saved and filled with the Holy Ghost in Jesus name in the name of Jesus bring people into our path let the manifestations of the spirit flow through us in all our waking hours to bring men to you in Jesus name in the name of Jesus. Kubrakatia stondiarabatia. Brondo rakatia rabosto. Brondo rekatia. Brondo repaye. Let this city carry your presence. Let people that have never had one, one encounter with you. Nobody knows the Bible in the whole family. Use us to bring the glorious light of salvation into every family. Ukrainian families, Hungarian families, Polish families, black families, Puerto Rican families, Mexican families. In Jesus' name. German families. Tushan the all families, Indian families, Pakistani families. Use us, Lord. People that are coming from other nations that have never heard the gospel, that are now on our shores, use us to reach them with the good news of Jesus Christ. Give us great boldness in preaching your word. Give us great boldness. Kirabatia. Habani Arabotia. Brikati Astoro Reka. Ipati. If you called us to put a church here, then empower us to not let people go the way of the devil. In Jesus' name. I'm asking you now. You got me involved, so give me what I need to get it done. Keep Pastonia. Brikani Araboto. Brigani Arabe. Dushtaba. Put an end to this fentanyl genocide. Use us to put an end to this fentanyl genocide. In Jesus' name. This depopulation agenda. Bikati 
Bindiana botiabra, ikandiana mosto, brikandiana mosto, brigandiana mondo rekiti arabosto. Make us great soul winners. Brigandiana boto, goshoniana batia, gondorapatia, bostoniana boto. Gostuni arabatia, ikani araboto, apatia, dostuni orobo rekiti arabotia, biliona mundo, rikiti asto, baniana mundo re, iskara brakoti aste, biniana mundo re, ipania brokoste, mini araba. Ikare obostodia metiara bokoto biniana mondo biniara boto biraba brokotia vitiniara boto ukostoniara batia kista give us power Lord to entice people to church to entice people to Christ. Make our lives attractive. Make our words attractive. In Jesus' name we've prayed, everybody said. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in the heart that you're made right with God, by confession of the mouth that you're saved. As the scriptures say, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Jews and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe? How can they believe if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? How can someone tell them unless he goes? As the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. All that American, Canadian, they may never know us by our words, but they'll know us by our life is horse crap. They must be told the word, the word with you confess the word to people. You, you tell the word to people. No one's going to get saved watching you walk with the grace that he ordered his to-go order at Sheets. Just really let me know he knew a different God. That, that's, that's religious horse crap. You've got to tell people. You've got to let the Lord lead you to people. And then people that the Lord's put in your life. And have an extra tuned ear when people come to you and just in the middle of their talking. I don't even know why I'm sharing this with you. That my daughter's on drugs. and I don't, They're sharing it with you because the anointing that's on you, like Woody, sitting with Billy Graham, just starting, what about sexual immorality? They're telling you their greatest problem because they felt something. I don't even, I don't know, I barely know you, and I'm telling you this already. Tell them, I'll tell you why you're telling me. Because God sent me into your life to help you. We're going to pray together. Have confidence like Billy Graham did in his God. No, if you come to my meeting, God will be there. I'm going to... Speak, don't be embarrassed of the Bible and what you believe. It's not one of many beliefs. It's the superior, supreme gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Don't you ever think for one minute I'm doing this because I'm trying to get you to help me grow my church so it'll be big. It's not my ambition. It's our command from Christ. He paid a high price for their soul. And the devil's camping on their life. And it's up to us to kick his tail off of them. If we don't do it, nobody else will do it. There's no other group of Christians going around that's going to do it. It's, it's, it's you or me and, or nobody. So treat it that way. Like you're the only Christian that's here. And if you don't tell them, nobody will. And watch what happens. Can you say amen? This is not an ambition of mine. I never wanted to pastor in the first place. But if we're going to do it, then, then let's cause some problems for the devil. Amen? Amen. People should, there should be a reputation. Unless you want to hear about Jesus, do not go to that sheet. Go to a different sheet. Amen? Amen. Lift both hands. As you win souls this year, like you've never won souls before, may you experience the manifold blessing that soul winners experience. He that winneth souls is wise. Next verse. And the wise shall inherit glory. He that winneth souls is wise. And the wise shall inherit glory. There's a divine reward for winning souls. Did Billy Graham ever seek to be rich? No. His ministry took in $630 million two years ago after he was dead. Billy Graham Parkway was where they drove his body to go bury it. And then they put him in the rotunda in Washington, D.C. That's only reserved for presidents. The wise, he that winneth souls is wise, and the wise shall inherit glory. God honors soul winners. God will honor you this year. Now, you listen to me. If you believe me at all, if you've ever believed me or the Lord's ever used me, and you trust me, mix soul winning in with your prayer and fasting. And watch how quickly the things you've been praying for are delivered to your doorstep. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a great hand clap. We'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock. God bless every one of you in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.